Good morning. I am glad to be here with you today, and I'm glad you're here. And uh, we've been studying the book of Proverbs. There's a tremendous amount of good, valuable, neat, useful stuff in Proverbs. I love the book of Proverbs. Today, we're going to talk about purity, moral purity, sexual integrity, being the kind of people that God wants us to be. We live in a dirty world, don't we? Amen? We live in a dirty world. Yesterday, I did something I've never done before. I went with my wife and kids to what they call a color run in Dallas. And they have all these packets of powder and they throw them up in the air and they spray them out all over everybody. And the runners run their 5K and they run through these stations and they squirt powder at them and all this powdered paint and they get it all over them. I didn't want to do that. (laughs) I had a camera with me and I didn't want powder all over my camera. I stayed upwind on the far side and... I didn't run the 5K. I was just there for moral support and and uh, to take some pictures. That's what you look like if you got in the mess. Got all over them. I understand that at some of those stations, there was powder all over the ground from where they'd been, been throwing it on people. And some of the runners would get down and lay down in it and just roll around in the paint and get it just all over them. Then there was me. (laughs) And I was as far away from that mess as I could get and still be there. Because I didn't want to ruin my camera. I didn't want glitter and powder all over me. But when I got home, and I don't have any pictures of me at home, but when I got home, there was still glitter all in my hair and all over my clothes and some on the camera. Because you just can't be around all that mess and it not rub off on you a little bit. You just can't. You and I live in a dirty world. The Bible talks to us about living a life that keeps ourselves unspotted from the world, doesn't it? That means don't let that stuff run off on you or rub off on you. But that's hard to do. It's tough to live in this world and not be influenced. We're all going to be influenced by it some. When my great-grandmother was a young girl, you think some of the skirts are short today? It was scandalous to them for her ankles to show. Is that scandalous to anyone here today? Why? Well, it's just the culture we live in. That's not a scandalous thing in our culture. It affects us. It rubs off on us some. But I want to start this lesson by making sure that there's no misunderstanding misunderstanding by anyone from our youngest to our oldest here that God has a standard for sexual purity and sexual morality. One of the Ten Commandments was, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Don't mess around. If you're married, be faithful to the person you're married to. Scripture in Matthew, Jesus said this, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. We just read that. 
He said, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus said, it's not just the act, but you're guilty in the eyes of God if you're looking for the purpose of of desiring and lusting after and imagining that relationship, even if you don't do it. Jesus said, it's sin. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are... And he gives quite a list. The first two in that list, adultery and fornication. He goes ahead with lasciviousness and uncleanness and witchcraft and a lot of other things. But look what he says about that. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You do that stuff, you're not going to heaven. That's what Jesus said. That's what we read in the Bible. And look at this in the book of Revelation. But the cowardly and unbelieving, abominable murderers sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And you see, the Bible says very plainly, and everyone here needs to understand this, that sexual activity outside the bonds of marriage is sinful and can cost your soul. Now, I want to say right now, up clear and front, up front and clear, that this sin can be forgiven just like any other sin. But it's sin. It's not just the choice of two consenting adults. But it's sin. And it's wrong. And God condemns it on every level. The times are changing in our world. People don't respect the Word of God hardly at all anymore, especially the sexual teachings about that. We've got people, it's not uncommon for people to live together and not be married today. Here's a couple some of you will recognize. They're actor and actress. They've lived together for a long time, never got married. They've been asked about marriage, and she said, I don't see the point of getting married. He said, if it ain't fixed or broke, don't fix it. That's their attitude about marriage. They are celebrated as great icons in Hollywood. Now, there are things that get people up in arms today, but something like this, no one cares. Nobody cares that they're not married, living together, had kids. Doesn't matter to anyone in in our culture today, does it? You want to get people upset? Let's talk about deflate gate. You know what that was? That's when one of the football teams had a little less air in the football that might have given them a little advantage in the game, and so they were able to win. They had less fumbles and all this. Boy, I tell you what, that was just a raging debate for weeks. But you know what? We know about this guy cheated on his wife. That's well known. Nobody cares. You hear raging debate about that? Destroyed his home. Married someone else. What do you think about that? Here's a guy who, well known, very popular, openly proclaims that he's a Christian. 
Now, I appreciate it when someone in the public eye is willing to stand up and say, you know what, I believe Jesus gets me through my problems. I lean on Him and I depend on Him. I appreciate that, don't you? This guy has fathered at least seven children out of wedlock with seven different moms. Nobody cares. You don't hear any outrage about that. What you hear outrage about is he spanked his kid too hard. You don't hear outrage about this. You know why we don't? Because in America, 40%, over 40% of all births are out of wedlock. That means four out of every ten. That means four of them, mom and dad weren't married, and six of them, mom and dad were. You know, when it's that common, it's just not that strange anymore, is it? When you're around something a lot, it just gets to be the way things are, right? I mean, we all know people. You turn on the TV, and you know what's going to be on entertainment tonight is the latest Kardashian to have a baby daddy. Right? And that's just the way our world is, and there's nothing wrong with it in people's eyes. They don't see any problem with that. There was a survey done in 2002 of 40,000 adults here in the United States. And in that survey... According to their own admission, you know how many of them had been involved in sex outside of marriage? And that would include premarital. 93%. You know, when something's that common, it can't be that big a problem to people, can it? There are people that send pictures back and forth. There's all kinds of stuff that goes along. You know, the reality is that almost no one believes sexual activity condemned by the Bible is really wrong in our culture. It's That's what they laugh about. You turn on the late night TV shows, you watch Jimmy Fallon or, or one of the other guys, you know what they're going to... This is a joke to them. This is funny. It's something to laugh about. It's not something that really matters. But I'm going to tell you, the wisest man who ever lived, a guy named Solomon, warned his son about this. And today, I want to warn you. And I want my son to listen to me today. And I want all the other people here to listen today because this is a warning from God that goes directly counter to the culture that we live in today. You're going to hear the opposite taught on every TV station and every radio station and every media outlet you listen to. But I'm telling you, God has something different to say about it. And He said it through this man here. First, we're going to set the trap. I say we're going to set the trap. Solomon set the trap. He told the story. Listen to what he said. Proverbs 5. My son, pay attention to my wisdom for the lips of an immoral woman drip honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. Now I want to say something as I get started about in this section. There's going to be a whole lot in this section about the immoral woman and the fool that's led astray by her traps. But I want you to know there are immoral men who lead women astray. 
Solomon is talking to his son, and that's why it's laid out this way. But our culture is full of immoral men and immoral women. And everyone's sin is their own responsibility. And anyone who's led astray by someone who's immoral, be it someone they know, or someone on TV, or in a movie, or on a website, anyone who's led astray by that, they're responsible for being led astray. It's still the sin. And he says, I want to warn you, son, the lips of an immoral woman drip honey. That's kind of a strange picture, isn't it? You know, got honey dripping off of her. You know what he's saying? Honey's sweet. Honey's something that's desirable, especially back then when they didn't have sugar. They didn't have sugar like we have sugar in all our food and everything today. Honey was their sweetener. That was a luxury item to them. Her mouth is smoother than oil. What he's saying is an immoral woman looks good. She's something to be desired if a guy's desiring something like that. Look what he says. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. He says, you need wisdom, son. Son, you need to know that there are people out there who want to lure you into a trap to destroy you. You need to know that. And you need to be wise. You need to do all within your power, everything you can, to be wise because they're after you. And they want to get you. Look at this. He says, For at the window of my house I've perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense. I was thinking about this. Isn't that all young men? <laughs> a little bit. A young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening at the time of night and darkness. And behold, the woman meets him dressed as a prostitute, Wily of heart, she seizes him and kisses him. And with bold face, she says to him, I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. So Solomon, this king, this wise man, has, by the way, 700 wives and 300 concubines, which a concubine was second class wife. So he had a thousand wives. This guy, if anyone knew women, (laughs) I guess it would be Solomon. He's standing here looking out the window of his house, his palace, and he sees this foolish young man. Have you ever seen those videos like on YouTube or America's Funniest Home Videos or something and you see the guy walking along and you see what's fixing to happen and you know it, you can see it coming and he can't and you're going, stop! Or if you like to laugh at that stuff, go! Solomon's looking at this and he sees this young man. And this young man's a fool. He thinks this is something that's a game. He thinks it's something that's fun, something to play with. This young man's a fool. He's got no sense. And he's walking 
He's walking down that path. And He's walking down that path. And He sees her. Solomon sees her and he sees her coming out of the house and she sees her prey. She sees this young man coming. And she runs out and she seizes him and she says, I've been waiting for you. Well, now he's flattered because this beautiful woman has been waiting for me. Me? Me? She was waiting for me? She was waiting for whoever... She was waiting for him the way the spider was waiting for the fly (laughs) is the way she was waiting for him. The trap has been set. She's beautiful and she flatters with her words. She uses flattering lips. She tells him the things he wants to hear. Our world and our culture is full of that. It's on TV. It's in the movies. It's in the songs. It's on the computer. Our world is full of people who will make merchandise of other people for the purpose of gaining money. And it's a very terrible and destructive thing. It's a trap. It's a trap and it doesn't look dangerous. It doesn't look that bad, especially in our culture today. But it is. It's a very dangerous trap. It says, with enticing speech she caused him to yield, and with her flattering lips she seduced him. And Solomon's looking out the window and he sees this and he sees her whispering to him and talking to him and flirting with him and he sees the young man as his resolve crumbles. And Solomon is telling his son and he's saying, Son, stay away from that. I want to give you a warning, he says. He says, but in the end... She is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death and her steps lay hold of hell. He says she's just like a two-edged sword. She's sharp. She's like wormwood. She's bitter. He said she will destroy you. Look at this. He says, lest you ponder her path, her ways are unstable. You do not know them. Remove your way far from her door and do not go near the door of her house. He says, stay away. He says, now therefore listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth and do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her path. He's getting in his son's face and he's saying, get away! Run! Don't go near her house! Why? Because it's dangerous. It's going to destroy you and the things that you hold hold precious in your life. You know, I've got a son who's 13 and he has sometimes does things that I think are not real smart. (laughs) 
I'm picking on him a little bit. Yesterday, when after the color run, we went to the water gardens downtown in Dallas. And there was a piece of plastic from our lunch that blew into the little water there. And Jacob says, I'll go get it. Well, you got to walk on these ledges that the water comes over and it's, it's just, or else swim in the water. So Jacob gets out there and he's walking. He's going, okay, I can jump over this. And I'm going, you idiot. <laughs> I love you and I appreciate you getting the plastic, but you're going to break your head open, son. And after he got the plastic, some of the folks that were with us were saying, go the other way and just jump. And I'm saying, no, go back now. Don't do what they're saying. Why? Because I didn't want him to get hurt. They thought it'd be funny to see him land in the water. I'm saying I don't want my son hurt. That's what Solomon's saying here to his son. Solomon is saying, son, I know that everyone else in your culture is saying, it's fine, go ahead. Look at those websites. Watch those movies. Go spend time with that lady from work. Go ahead, do it. It's fine. And I'm telling you, don't. Don't, 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 don't. Stay away from it. It's going to cost you some things you don't want to lose. He tells him things it's going to cost him. He says, one, it's going to cost you your honor. He says, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one. Give your honor to others. You have to understand that Solomon's son was going to be a king. He was going to give away his honor. His honor was his... His value. Something that's honored is something of great value. And he says, you know what? If you do this, if you go down that path, you're going to be like an old worn out pair of shoes. Your honor's going to be gone. You're going to be tired. Your freshness will disappear. What you have to offer, you're going to be all used up. Do you want to lose your honor? This is a quick way to lose your honor. But he says that's not all you're going to lose. She has cast out many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. You may say, well, my honor is strong enough that I'll be able to withstand. I'll be able to rise above it. I can handle this. No, you can't. It's strong men who are destroyed by this, not just weak. Strong men. Men of God like King David are destroyed by this. You can't win. And the wisest thing about winning a fight is knowing when to stay out of the ones you can't win. And you can't win this one. So stay out of it. Don't get in it. Because it will destroy you. You'll lose your honor. And what else you'll lose is your wealth. He says, lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. You'll lose your wealth. I'm going to tell you something. You decide to commit adultery, somebody's going to get rich and it is not going to be you. 
Very likely it'll be a divorce attorney who's going to get rich. But it is not going to be you. It'll cost you. It'll cost you just the sin itself will cost you. Whatever the cost of that sin is, be it a a movie and a dinner or a hotel room or a computer or an internet connection, whatever the cost of that is, it'll cost you. But it'll cost you a lot more than that. There's a lot of unseen cost. The decayed health you're going to suffer that it's going to cost you money to try to repair. The broken relationships that may or may not ever be repairable. But you're going to spend money trying to repair them. It's a very costly thing to go down this path. And when you mourn at last, and you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed. Did you know this will destroy not only your honor, It will cost you not only your wealth, it will cost you your health. Now this was long before they had the three letters, STD, sexually transmitted diseases. I read just this week that AIDS is becoming a health crisis in Indiana. Indiana. Not Guyana. Indiana. These diseases, there are new drug-resistant strains of these diseases that I read in my research for this are going to be as bad as or worse than AIDS, they're saying. I don't know. I know this, you don't want it. There's one way for you to avoid sexually transmitted diseases. And that's for you to spend your life with one spouse who's not infected, and then spend their life with you. That's the way you avoid that. That's the only sure way. Somebody says, well, we can practice safe practices. No, you can't. You try. A lot of people that are dead thought they were practicing safe practices. Doesn't happen that way. He goes ahead and he says this, immediately when he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know it would cost his life. He didn't know it was going to cost his life. You know, one of the reasons that this is such a damaging thing is because the devil convinces you that you can get away with it. He convinces you that you're not hurting anyone but yourself. And you can get away with this. I'm going to tell you, the truth is, it's too late when you find out that's not true. When you find out you can't get away with it, when you find out that there is a cost, the bird's already caught in the snare. And it's too late. He says, it will also cost your reputation. He said, I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and the congregation. Total ruin in the midst of the assembly. It will destroy your reputation. Men, if you're going down this path, 
You better be getting whatever enjoyment you can right now. Because we're going to find out. You may think we won't. But we will. We'll find out. And not because we're going to sneak around and try. We may not find out for 10 years or 20 years or 50 years. But I want you to read what Jesus said about finding out. He said, For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. He said, You don't have any secrets. You think you've got secrets. And you may lie to your wife or your girlfriend or your parents, but you're not going to get away with it. In fact, Scripture says this, be sure your sin will find you out. Your sin's going to find you out. You can't hide this. And when it is found out, I want you to know, even though everybody does it, it's going to hurt your reputation. People who had confidence in you won't have confidence in you anymore. People who respected you won't respect you anymore. It's a damaging and dangerous thing. I'm not telling you you can't be forgiven of it. And I'm not telling you that some of those people who had confidence in you can't regain their confidence in you if you turn and walk the right path. But I am telling you, it's costly. And I want to tell you the greatest cost... The greatest cost is the cost to your soul. Said her house is the way to hell descending into the chambers of death. Her house is the way to hell. You know, it doesn't just affect your body. It's not something that you can do right now. And I know 1 Corinthians 6 says when you commit adultery, you sin against your own body. I know that's true. But it doesn't just affect your body. Scripture says this, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. It is a war against your soul when you do this. If you let this into your life and you walk down that path, you are walking into the camp of the enemy without your weapons and they're going to take a toll on your soul. I remind you of one of the passages we started with. The cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, and sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burned with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This will destroy your soul. Guys, guys, listen. It's not just something you do. It can send you to hell. It can destroy your home. It can destroy your health. It can cost you all your money. And it will send you to hell if you seek this path. It's damaging. You need to do all you can to stay away from it. Somebody says, well, what's the alternative? The Bible does give us an alternative. In fact, Solomon in this very passage gives an alternative to his son. 
And he says, here's the alternative. Drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed to broad streams of water in the street? He says, you drink water from your own cistern. He compares it to an appetite for water. Physical appetite. And sexual desire is a physical appetite and it's not wrong. It's not sinful to drink water from your own cistern. It's not sinful to have strong sexual involvement in your home and in your life. In fact, it's right and it's good and it's righteous. What's sinful is when you try to get water out of someone else's cistern. You go somewhere that doesn't belong to you. And yes, I know I could be a little more plain spoken, but we've got a lot of young people here and I want the people who are old enough to understand me to understand what I'm saying. You stay at home. You be satisfied at home with these desires. That's God's answer to you. He says, let them only be your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. He says, you get married and you stay at home. He says the same thing in the New Testament. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Now, I want to tell you, Jesus addresses this in Matthew. And Jesus says there are some people who have the special gift from God to be able to remain single. Not everyone has that gift. There are people who have that gift from God, who can remain single and find fulfillment in their relationship with Jesus Christ alone. Most of us can't. And He said there's a solution for that. And the solution for that is not adultery, it's not fornication, it's not lasciviousness. It's getting married and being satisfied with the relationship that you have at home. Only within the bonds of marriage. And I want to leave you this morning with a final warning. That final warning is found here. He said, Why should you, my son, be enraptured with an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man. He's caught in the cords of his sin. And he shall die for lack of instruction. And in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. The final warning is this. When you're tempted and you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted. And you're going to be tempted in secret. You're going to be tempted to do whatever you do sexually that's not right in secret. You're not going to bring your computer and fire it up on the front pew of the church and be looking at stuff during church services. That's not going to happen. What's going to happen is when you're in secret. And you need to remember that the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. God is always watching you. He's there when you close that door. He's there when you're talking to her 
and your pulse is beating a little faster. He's there when her dad's not around. He's there. He's watching all the time. And He's taking stock and He's judging you. And your soul is at stake. Now the conclusion of the lesson is this. Stay away from that stuff. Sexual sin is sin and it's wrong regardless of what entertainment tonight tells you. It's evil and it will cost you and it will destroy. It's taking a great toll in our nation, in broken homes and broken families and children without parents. It's sin and it's wrong. And it's not to be tolerated in the kingdom of God. It's not to be accepted. What it is to be done is to be confessed, forsaken, and forgiven. That's what's to be done. Confess, forsake, and forgiveness. There is forgiveness. Many, many, many men and women have failed in this area and been forgiven. Because God's in the business of forgiving. You remember King David? He was forgiven, wasn't he? He prayed to God and He said, I'm I'm dark red with my sin. He said, clean me and I'll be whiter than snow. And God will clean you. God will forgive you and He'll wipe all that guilt away. Now, there may still be some consequences of it in your life, but the guilt will be gone. You can be forgiven and right with God. But you cannot be forgiven and right with God if you keep going down the same path. It takes repentance. It takes turning from the path you were on to a different path. And that's the path of righteousness. And that's what I call the men here today too. I call all the married men here. Be faithful to your wife. Satisfied in your relationship with her. Pursue that relationship to fulfillment. All you men who are not married, remain pure. Don't throw away the beauty that is found in a good marital relationship. Don't do that. Don't defile yourself. Have some self-control and self-discipline before you end up destroying the things that are most precious in your life. And I say this to anyone who has slipped and fallen into this, if you need to make a change... Do it today. Don't wait till tomorrow or next week. Because I tell you this, you sit here and say, yeah, that's right, I'll never do that again. And you'll walk out of here and tomorrow you'll do it again. Make a change. Change it. Stand up and say, I need to change this. And make some different choices. Get people involved in your life to hold you accountable and to work with you on that. If you'll do that, it'll be the greatest turnaround and change in your life and the salvation of your soul. We offer song of invitation. If you need the assistance of the church in any way, please make that known while we stand and sing.